We turn this morning to Mark chapter 6 and read verses 45 through 52, meeting Jesus in the storm. Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 45. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side to Bethsaida, while he himself was sending the crowd away. And after bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them, at about the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea, and he intended to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost, and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But he immediately he spoke with them and said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind stopped, and they were utterly astonished. For they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their heart was hardened. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are fully aware of every storm in life that we face, every trial, every trouble, every difficult circumstance. Lord, nothing escapes your notice. When you come to us, Lord, at those times of need, and you say, it is I, don't be afraid. And so, Father, as we face those storms that are inevitable, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would meet us in a special way, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us. And Father, that you would do something significant in our lives and in the lives of others, Lord, as you guide us through those storms of life. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I read a story about a young man who was trying to establish himself as a peach grower. And he had worked hard and invested just about everything he had, and the crop looked wonderful, but then there was a frost. And all that he had worked for was gone. And so he didn't go to church for the next three Sundays, and so finally his pastor made contact with him and asked him why he hadn't been to church. And he says, I'm not coming anymore. He says, do you think that I can worship a God who cares for me so little that he will let a frost kill all of my peaches? So what would you have said if you were his pastor? Well, the old minister looked at him a few minutes in silence. And then he said kindly, I want you to know, That God loves you better than he loves your peaches. He knows that while peaches do better without frosts, it is impossible to grow the best men without frosts. His object is to grow men, not peaches. There is no better example in Scripture of God's desire to grow men than Jesus and his disciples. And if you examine Jesus' ministry with these men who were following him for those three years, you will notice that everything he did was in order to grow these men spiritually, 
Even storms, right? And maybe even storms were the greatest way that these men grew because it wasn't just this storm. There was more than one storm they faced on the Sea of Galilee. And they learned something about themselves, didn't they? They learned something about storms. They learned something about Jesus. He met them in their need. And they grew through those storms. I want you to notice three things about Jesus' ministry here in the storms of life. First of all, notice that Jesus leads us. He leads us in the storms of life. Notice how our text begins in verse 45 with the word immediately. That was a favorite, it's a favorite word of Mark. Often we see him using that word. And he says that immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. An interesting phrase here because there's a sense of urgency in what Jesus did here. It's as if the disciples didn't want to get into the boat. But Jesus made them. He made them get into the boat. Sense of urgency. I love how Kent Hughes pictures this event. He says the twelve were reluctant. Like children who are having a good time and don't want to get back in the car to go home. Ever had that experience as parents? I don't want to leave. I don't want to go home. He says Jesus corralled them, insisting that they get into the boat. And then he probably gave the boat a shove. <laughs> That's kind of how he pictures this event. They, they did not want to go. And Jesus said, you are going to go. He made them get into the boat. So, so why did Jesus do that? Why did he immediately make them go? You need to look back and see what had just happened. Uh, Jesus had just fed thousands of people, right? That miracle had just taken place. And the response to that miracle was, was not what Jesus wanted from the crowd because they wanted to make him king. John tells us that in his Account John chapter 6, verse 14, says, Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, the feeding of the thousands there, they said, This truly is the prophet who is to come into the world. So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew to the mountain, and before he withdrew to the mountain, he said, Disciples, you get in this boat, you are going to the other side. From what we know about the disciples at this time, they probably would have welcomed what the crowd was saying. After all, Jesus is king. We need to honor him as king. They would have welcomed the desire of the crowd. In their minds, that was probably long overdue. And it might mean, for them, perhaps, a place of authority with him, reigning with him. But Jesus knew that this was not the proper time, nor was it the proper way for them to reign with him. So Jesus wisely sent them away. He made them get into the boat for their spiritual protection. They were not ready to handle a temptation like this, to go along with the crowd, to treat Jesus as if he was some kind of earthly Messiah or King. 
So somewhat reluctantly, I would suppose, the disciples got into the boat. And I wonder what the conversation was as uh, they were in that boat and, and just saying, well, what it, why is Jesus doing this to us? Why is he sending us away? The crowd is honoring him. They want to become king. And, and he sends us away into the boat. And then they get into the middle of the ocean, the middle of the sea. And what happens? A storm comes. I don't know what you would have done, but I think I'd have been scratching my head and saying, what? Here the crowd was, was honoring you, Jesus. And then you send us away. And then while we're going across to Bethsaida, here comes this storm. Ever questioned what is happening in your life? Wondering why in the world did this happen? I would assume there were questions from the disciples. The problem is we have limited understanding, don't we? We don't see the whole plan of God like Jesus did. And so because of our limited perspective, we, we wonder, Lord, what, what are you doing? Why, why, why this in my life? There are several purposes God might have in storms in our life. Sometimes God sends a storm our way because we need his discipline. Ever been in that position where, where you needed the discipline of God? I have, and, and sometimes God has allowed storms in my life. I think of Jonah when he was running the very opposite direction of where God wanted him to go. It says the Lord was the one who brought that storm. That was not a random event. God was the one who sent that storm into Jonah's life because Jonah needed to be disciplined. And he recognized it, didn't he? In chapter 2, when he's in the, the belly of the fish and he's crying out to God, uh, Jonah chapter 2, verse 3, he says to the Lord, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me, and your breakers and billows passed over me. He knew why that storm came. He was running from God. And God was getting his attention. God has ways of getting our attention, doesn't he? He has many different ways. And I think God is getting trying to get the attention of our nation. We have spurned him, we have dishonored his word, and I think God is saying you need to know who I am. You need to recognize my power and my glory and my majesty. So sometimes it's because God is disciplining us. Certainly not every time, but that's certainly the case sometimes. And then there are other times that we face a storm in life because God is accomplishing something good through us in the lives of others. I think of Joseph, the storm that he faced. Listen to what he said to his brothers when he made himself known to them in Genesis 45. Verse 4, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come closer to me. And they came closer and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you, why? To 
preserve life. To preserve life. There's something really amazing about Joseph's perspective here, isn't there? He said to his brothers, you sold me. He's not denying that at all, is he? He's not saying no big deal. You sold me. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, he adds, you meant evil against me. And they did. But he also said, God sent me. And both were true, right? They were jealous of him. They treated him very unkindly. Sold him as a slave into Egypt. But he says, God sent me. Both of those statements are true. And God enabled over time Joseph to, to see that, that God's purpose was fulfilled in the jealousy and anger and hatred of his, his brothers. And God's purpose was to save the life of the nation. It was a difficult storm, but in the end he saw God's purpose. And some of you may not realize this, but God has used you to accomplish something good in the lives of others through the storms of life that you have faced, continuing to trust God in the midst of it, believing that He is going to work it out and that He has a plan and a purpose in it, even when you did not see it. A difficult storm. And it doesn't mean that we don't struggle in those storms, right? It's, it's not like, you know, the troubles come and we say, yeah, this is great. Oh no, we struggle in that. But we grow through the struggles in ways that may not happen in any other way. Have you found that to be true? That some of the lessons you learned were through the storms and struggles of life. And looking back, you would say, I probably would not have learned the lesson that I learned there in any other way. As God shapes us through those times. Joni Yoder, writing in Our Daily Bread, says, I was in my second year of widowhood and I was struggling. She said, morning after morning, my prayer life consisted of one daily sigh. Lord, I shouldn't be struggling like this, she said. And then she says, as if a voice says, and why not? Why not? His still small voice seemed to ask me from within one morning. Then she says, then the answer came. Unrecognized pride. Somehow I had thought that a person of my spiritual maturity should be beyond such struggle. And she says, what a ridiculous thought. I had never been a widow before and needed to be, needed the freedom to be a true learner, even a struggling learner. And she writes, at the same time, I was reminded of the story of a man who took a cocoon so he could watch the emperor moth emerge. And as the moth struggled to get through the the tiny opening, he enlarged it with a snip of scissors. And so the moth emerged easily, but its wings were shriveled. The struggle through the narrow opening is God's way to force fluid from its body into its wings. 
And so she says, the merciful, in quotes, the merciful snip in reality was cruel. Because that emperor moth probably never flew. There are many times in life when we wish we didn't have to struggle. We wish that storms would never come. But Jesus is the one who leads us in those storms, doesn't he? He leads us. And through them, he has ways of accomplishing something in our lives and in the lives of others. That may never happen in any other way. So he leads us in the storms of life. The second thing we notice is that Jesus sees us. He sees us in the storms of life. As the disciples were struggling on the Sea of Galilee, it might have appeared to them that Jesus had no idea what they were facing. He was up on the mountain. They were down in the, in the, in the Sea of Galilee. They, they battled this storm for a long time. Look at verse 47. We're told that they were in the middle of the lake when it was evening. I'm not sure exactly what hour that would have been. I don't know, 6, 7 o'clock, whatever it was. If you look at verse 48, they were still battling the storm about the fourth watch of the night. You know what the fourth watch of the night is? That's from 3 a.m. until 6 a.m. So one commentator says that the disciples had been at sea for at least nine hours, most of them battling the storm. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on, the, on a lake in a storm. I was there one time when I was a teenager, and it, it, it probably seemed bigger than it was, but we were on Lake Superior. I was fishing with my uncle. And I was never so happy to get off that lake. We were going up and down and up and down and up and down. And it, it was, I was really scared. We got around that, that pier that went out with the lighthouse there. And oh, I'll tell you what. Jesus, thank you for saving me. I, th- I thought we were, I thought we were in, in really in deep trouble. Can you imagine being battling this storm for hour after hour after hour, and Jesus isn't with them, and they're wondering what on earth is going to happen. Jesus was well aware of what they were facing. Though he was on the mountain and they were in the middle of the sea, verse 48 says he was seeing them straining at the oars. They weren't struggling without his knowledge. He was fully aware of what they were facing. This is what gave Job encouragement. I can't think of anybody in Scripture who faced a more difficult storm than this man. You know the story of his life, so I don't need to recount it. But there's something that enabled him encouraged him in his struggle. And we find it in Job chapter 23, verse 10. And here's what Job writes, but he knows the way I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He knows the way that I take. 
You think God knows the way that you take? Is He aware of what's going on in your life? Does He see every circumstance that you are facing? You know the answer to that question, don't you? He does. He does. My mom and dad rented a cabin many years ago. And my dad went out for coffee with one of the area pastors. This was in Upper Michigan. And so my mom was there by herself. It was a warm day. And she wasn't fully ready for the day. Hadn't made herself presentable yet. And so she was, my mom had a way of, of, of picking stuff up, the carpet, make sure everything's clean. And so she did that. She reached down. There was this shiny object. And she went to grab it, and it was a fish hook. Stuck in the carpet. And now her thumb was stuck to the fish hook, which was stuck to the carpet. What are you going to do? And so she sat there, and then she laid down, and and she didn't want to yell because she wasn't really ready for the day. And so she's, she's just waiting and waiting and waiting for my dad to come. And I don't know how long he was out there for coffee with the guy, but it must have been a couple hours. And she was getting tired of laying on the floor with a fish hook embedded in her thumb, embedded in the carpet. And when he walked in the door... What do you think she said? Where in the world have you been? And that wasn't really like my mom. She was more the quiet, gentle, kind, loving person like me. And so my dad said, how was I supposed to know that you were lying on the floor with a fish hook embedded in your thumb stuck in the carpet? He didn't, he had no idea. He he didn't see. So you know what he did? He literally cut out a piece of the carpet and took my mom to the emergency room and here she walks in with this fish hook embedded in the carpet and so they had to get it out and I don't know what happened to the, you know, if they had to pay a, a damage deposit for, you know, cutting out a hunk of the carpet in the living room of that cabin, but... You can understand her frustration because he had no clue what was going on. God knows what's going on in our lives. He sees every storm, every trouble, every trial. We can praise him for that. He sees every step we take through the trials of life. So he leads us in the storms. He sees us in the storms. And it's got a, it's got a rhyme, right? Okay, well, it doesn't have to, but it does. Jesus frees us in the storms of life. So when it seemed as if all hope was gone, and they had been battling that storm for hours, Jesus comes to them walking on the water. Okay, And he does something which is kind of surprising, right? Verse 48, seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them, at about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and he intended to pass by them. 
I don't know if you noticed that when I read the text. Did that kind of cause you to say, hmm, that's interesting. Jesus sees them. They're struggling. He comes walking on the water, and they're in the boat, and he's just planning on walking by, passing by. And as you can well imagine, there's many views as to what was was happening here. Some suggest that Jesus was passing by and was teaching them that they needed to call on him in time of need, and I don't know, maybe so, but... The, the, the answer that seems to make the most sense to me is that Jesus is giving his disciples another demonstration of his deity that he is God. Not only that he's walking on the water, but this phrase that he was intending to pass by has some Old Testament roots, I think, that are important. Because there's two notable times in the Old Testament where we see this phrase of God passing by. Can you think of those two? One of them was with Moses in Exodus chapter 33. Moses said, I pray you, O God, show me your glory. Right? Your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But God said then, you can't see my face. For no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, behold, there's a place by me. And you stand before me there on the rock. And it will come about while my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Another occasion with Elijah, 1 Kings chapter 19. The Lord, So he said to Elijah, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord was passing by. So what Jesus was doing for his disciples, I believe, was revealing to them his divine glory. That phrase is very significant in the Old Testament because it points them back to how God revealed his glory to Moses and Elijah. One author puts it this way, by walking on the water, Jesus is showing himself to possess power and authority as the creator. He was, without saying a word, proclaiming that he is the God of Moses and Elijah. So Jesus is pointing to his deity, walking on the water. He is the God of Moses and the God of of Elijah. So it wasn't as though he was not planning to help them. The greatest way that he could help them in that storm is by revealing to them who he is. And they needed that because the end of our text says that they had, their hearts had been hardened. They had not taken into account what had just happened with the feeding of the 5,000. And there Jesus revealed, obviously, his glory, his power. And it seems like it just took a while before they got it. And notice the revelation of Jesus' glory doesn't end there. 
Verse 49, but when they saw him walking in the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost and they cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But he immediately he spoke with them and said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Now we don't catch this in our English translations, but the phrase, it is I, can be translated, I am. I am. Which is how God identified himself to Moses in the book of Exodus. I am. When, when Moses says, you know, they're going to say, well, who sent you? You tell them, I am has sent you. And so when Jesus came walking on the water and he speaks to them, what's he saying? He's saying, I am God in human flesh. I am here with you. There is no reason, no reason for you to be afraid. When God is right there in their presence, do we need to be afraid? I think it's the message we need to hear today because there's a lot of fear in our country. Fear of what's happening. Fear of getting sick. Fear of whatever. And Jesus says, I am. I am God. I am here. There's no reason for you to be afraid. Now there are two ways that the presence of Jesus helps us in the storm. Sometimes Jesus frees us from the storm. In other words, he takes the storm away. That's what we see here with the disciples. Jesus got into the boat with them and the wind stopped. Just like that. Have you experienced that in your life where you faced a difficult storm and the Lord took it away? The Lord removed it? We praise God for those times, don't we? When we're facing a hardship and God deals with it in such a way that He frees us from the storm. He takes the storm away. It's gone. But Jesus doesn't always free us from the storm, does he? There are times, other times, when he frees us in the storm. Instead of quieting the storm that is raging around us, he quiets the storm that is raging within us. Have you experienced that? He didn't take the storm away, but he quieted the storm raging within us. This is when we discover that peace isn't found so much in the absence of trouble, but peace is found in the presence of Jesus. That's where real peace is found. Because there are people who who have a peaceful life where in terms of not a lot of storms, but, but they don't have peace because they don't know Jesus. Peace is not found in the absence of trouble, but in the presence of Jesus. Scott Kripane has written a song that makes this point. Maybe some of you will recognize this. He says, sometimes he calms the storm with a whispered peace be still. He can settle any sea, but it doesn't mean he will. Sometimes he holds us close and lets The wind and waves go wild. Sometimes he calms the storm. And other times he calms his child. 
Isn't that true? Sometimes He calms the storm. Sometimes the trouble He takes away. Other times He calms us. He gives us the peace and the grace in the midst of a storm. W.B. Knight tells about a friend who was happily married, had a beautiful wife, sweet little three-year-old daughter, and his wife was suddenly killed in in a car accident. The night after the funeral, he was getting his little girl ready for bed, and all of a sudden the lights went out. And So he told his little daughter, he said, he said, Daddy, we'll be right back. You just stay and wait here. But she was frightened at the thought of being alone in the dark, and so she pleaded that, that he would take her. So he picked her up, and they were walking down the hallway and then down the stairs to the basement, and, and she snuggled in his arms for a while in silence. And then when they entered the basement... She tightened her arms around him and said, It's awfully dark, but I'm not afraid because my daddy is here. A sob shook this father's whole body. He buried his face in the little girl's hair and wept. He said, Yes, dear, it is dark, but I also am not afraid because my father is here. Are you facing a storm today? Storms come in many different forms, don't they? Sometimes it's health, sometimes it's finances, sometimes it's family troubles. There's all kinds of ways that we face storms. I would encourage you today, don't face it on your own. If you think, I'll just pull myself up by my bootstraps, I can handle this, I don't need a crutch. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. The disciples saw how it didn't work to face that storm on their own. They were straining at the oars for hours. But when Jesus came, I find it interesting when John puts it this way. In John chapter 6, verse 21, his account of this. When Jesus came to them walking on the water, it says they were willing to receive him into the boat. (laughs) Duh, of course. In their time of need, boy, we need Jesus come into our boat. And when he did, the storm ended. Are you willing to receive Jesus into your struggle today? Inviting him to help you through that storm, whatever it is. He sees it. He knows what you're facing. and He is more than able to meet your need in whatever storm you face today. Under your wings, Lord, we are safely abiding. Though the night deepens, the tempests are wild. Still we can trust you, Lord Jesus, in the midst of it all. Help us, Lord, today to turn to you, to rest in your care, to trust in you, that you are the one who helps us, who meets us in the storms of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.